So ladies, let me be your male friend today. There are some things that men need to understand. And if they don't have these things understood, they're not a wise choice right now. If he's not following God, you're dragging him. Single is hard. Marriage is hard. Choose your heart. I was like a cat. And then I became a dog. I got that dog in me, boy. If you believe what the scriptures say, much of the problem is with men. This is The Deep End with Lecrae. So everyone has some opinion on relationships right now. And there's so many voices out there about what is a healthy relationship, relationship goals, or independent women, or toxic masculinity. I mean, it's just a laundry list of different perspectives. And I think, you know, for me, I want to help speak life into folks out there navigating this. I mean, first and foremost, if you are in a relationship or you're single wanting to be in a relationship, you're already processing a lot of this and taking in this information. But some folks don't know what they want to do. And, you know, let's address that reality. Like, should you even be in a relationship? Is it that deep? Why do you need a counterpart? Do you need a counterpart? And I think here's one of the, the struggles that I personally have. One of the struggles that I personally have is that, especially within the church, there's this sense of this almost mandate that if you want to follow Jesus, somewhere along the line, you, you got to have this mate, you know, in order to go on this journey with Jesus with. And I think we've made it almost like a cultural idol. I think we've made it to where it's necessary to be in a relationship, almost like it's something that God requires for you to start following him, to be an apprentice to Jesus. When Jesus was never in a relationship, you know, most of the disciples, many of them, you know, they did not get married. Um, and so the, the, the Bible even says, um, you know, Paul even says like, hey, it's better for some of y'all to be single like I am, but because, you know, some of y'all don't have that gift, go ahead and navigate relationships. And what I would say is that, man, single is hard. Marriage is hard. Choose your hard. Neither one of them are more exalted than the other. I think if you are focused on being an apprentice of Jesus, what, what the scriptures say is that actually it will become increasingly more difficult to be a follower of Christ in a relationship because now your priorities are, you know, they're noble in terms of your relationship, but are they conflicting with what God has called you to do? It's almost like this responsibility. You got to like think of the weight of the responsibility. I think some of us are so self-centered as it pertains to relationships that we want someone for ourselves and we're not thinking about having to give ourselves to someone else. That's essentially what the purpose of it is. It's, it's to say, hey, I'm here to serve someone for the remainder of my life. I'm here to be a picture of Jesus for someone else on a consistent basis. That's not easy, right? It's much easier to do God's work without having to take on that added responsibility. It's like parenting or it's like adopting. It's like, okay, you got to weigh that responsibility. So I, I think the first thing I would just say is that, man, kill all the noise that says if you are a faithful follower of Jesus, you have to be in this relationship. 
kill all of that. That, oh, wait, how old are you? Why are you not married? Because I, I don't have to be, right? Like, something must be wrong with you if you're not in a relationship or you aren't connected to somebody. No, that does not have to be the case. It could be simply that I haven't found the person, I'm not searching for the person, or I'm content just being single. I have a great community of friends and that is okay. So I, I think we have to wrestle with that reality that, you know, first and foremost, it's okay to be single. It's not JV. It's not like marriage is varsity, singles JV. Like it's literally both of them are top tier teams. Which one do you want to play for? Because neither one of them are easy. Like both of them are hard. So you got to choose your hard. I've been both. I'm married, been married for 17 years, almost 18, uh, been single <laughs> and, you know, for 25 years. So I, I've been both. And at the end of the day, both are hard, you know, choose your heart. But for those of you all who have chosen the route of being in a relationship, if that's the hard you have chosen, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. A lot of times... And I'll be, I'll be honest from my vantage point, much of the problem for people not being able to find healthy relationships or be in healthy relationships, much of the problem is with men. Just being honest, much of the problem is with men. I mean, if you believe what the scriptures say in terms of, you know, a man having this responsibility of leadership. Now, when I say leadership, don't get me twisted here. I do not mean tyrant. I do not mean patriarchal dictator. When I say leadership, a man should be leading in humility, leading in love, leading in care and direction. Like, And it's not because a woman is incapable. It's just about order, right? It's not that the, the president and the CFO, both of them can probably do the same jobs or the, the CEO right? It's just order. It's just, this is who the president is. This is who the CEO is. It has nothing to do with who's more gifted, who's more talented in that particular situation, or even in the military, right? Like the sergeant or the lieutenant. The, at many times, one may be more competent than the other, but that's just the order of the rankings for the sake of understanding the flow, right? And, and that's what I believe scripture communicates. Has nothing to do with capability or intellect or insight or any of those particular things. I think that oftentimes men don't know how to lead. Men are caught in this perpetual cycle of being boys forever, especially nowadays, right? Like it's, we talk about adolescence as adult lessons, right? Like just consistency of playing video games and not being attuned to their own selves and getting the self-help that they need. And so a lot of times the issue with people not being in these compatible relationships is that, yo, men, y'all, we, we got to step up. Now, by the same token, it's not as if women are off the hook, right? Like we all are, are broken individuals and we all have our issues. But I would just say that oftentimes, you know, women mature faster than guys as well. Like, you know, the frontal lobe, frontal cortex, prefrontal cortex closes faster, you know, in a lot of situations. So I think there's just a preparedness for women 
and they're waiting around on boys to become men. And that creates some problems. But for my ladies out there, let me also challenge you with this. Men do this too, but I see it a lot with, with my ladies, is you're looking for the one. Where's the one? And, and let, let me just kill that myth. That's this Greco-Roman idea that there is this specific person designed for you. This, this one person out of the whole universe that God has designed for you. That, that's not the case, right? Like realistically, everyone is fearfully and wonderfully made. If you are a Christian, obviously the scripture talks to us about being equally yoked, like with somebody who's going to walk with me in the pursuit of Jesus. And there is not a one person in this universe that is like the specific person God has niched out. Now, what there is, is a, a world of incredible people that have the requirements and that God has given you the ability to choose from. And you get to deal with that particular person's, hopefully you've chosen wisely, and you get to deal with that person's brokenness and their health for the rest of your life. There are certain circumstances where it's not about a, you know, a yes or no. It's about is this wise or is this not, right? It's certain relationship situations. It's not about should I be with him or should I not be with him? It's is this a wise decision to be with him or is it not a wise decision? And, and you're going to have to weigh that out based off of community, based off of your growth, based off your understanding of what your needs are, based off your understanding of is this person really being transformed, mind renewed so that they can be all that you need to be. To me, you know, there is some wisdom. Obviously, I'm not compatible with Jesus, but he married me, you know, in the spiritual sense. And so obviously we're not going to be compatible with someone in every shape, form or fashion. However, I do think there are wise considerations before we decide to you know, join with another person, especially for the rest of your life. If I know I love the outdoors, that's all I want to do is be outdoors all the time. And this person that I found myself really attracted to um, hates outdoors, hates traveling, never wants to be outdoors. Like, I have to consider that. Like, am I going to be okay with that reality? Is this a wise choice? It's not a right or wrong. It's just, is this wise or is it not? And, and so those are the things that you've got to wrestle with. Also, I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to, whoever you marry, you're going to be married to five different people over the course of your life. That one person is going to turn into five different people over the course of the marriage. So you're going to have to be adaptable as well. But, but more than anything, I just want to dispel this myth that there is this one specific person out there waiting for you. No, there are, there's a world of people that would fit the description. It's up to you to decide to, to use wisdom, to seek God, to seek your community, if this particular person is a wise choice for you. Get off the rom-coms, right? We got to get off the rom-coms. We have to get off the, the social media highlight reels that make everyone's relationship seem so perfect. You don't know what they're dealing with behind the scenes. And realize, man, it, that relationships are hard regardless no matter how perfect they seem from the outside, they're hard. So which person's brokenness do you want to deal with for the rest of your life? Okay, so ladies, I love you and I want to help you.
Okay, I have been a terrible choice for women at a particular point in my life, and I've been a great choice for women at a different point in my life. Can I help you before you make a choice? Let's just take a moment to help you with this. I, you, you know, the whole idea of think like a man, you don't have to think like a man, just have some male friends who can help you walk through this. Let me be your male friend today and let me help you in your choice making. Um, you know, I, I wrote a couple notes down because there's there's a few things that I, I need you all to know, okay? That men have to mature. On this road to maturity, right? There are some things that men need to understand. And if they don't have these things understood, they're not a wise choice right now, okay? They're not a wise choice. And they may never be, right? They may never be the wise choice. So don't just sit there waiting for him to become something that he may never become, right? Um, best to find someone who's already on this path or has been down this path already. Um, a few things that men have to understand on their road to maturity, right? Number one, they got to understand that life is difficult. Life is difficult. When, when men don't understand life is difficult, um, they tend to think everything should come to them easy. They tend to have this boyish, adolescent mindset that they don't want to work for things. They don't want to, to do hard things, to make tough decisions because they don't understand that life is difficult. That's the nature of life in a broken world. Um, a lot of times we, we misconstrue the curse in Genesis 3, right? When, when, when Satan you know, tricked Adam and Eve and God cursed the ground, right? And he, and he ultimately said, you're going to have to work by the sweat of your brow. Like once upon a time, this would have been easy. It would have been light work. This would have been enjoyable. Now it's going to be difficult. You're going to have to plow and dig through the soil. You're going to have seasons where the rain doesn't come and things don't grow. So you're going to have to work more diligently to make sure that you are fruitful because now I've cursed the earth and you, man is going to work from the sweat of his brow. Essentially, what he's saying is life is going to be hard. It's going to be difficult, right? I also want to quickly dispel the idea that the pain of childbirth is part of the curse for women. It's essentially saying that th there's so many elements within a woman giving birth to a child that it's not about pain. It's more so the idea of having to raise a child, a broken child in a broken world, um, the struggle of wanting things to go a particular way, they're not gonna go that way, even death, right? Even the death of, of, of children in childbirth, right? The, just all of these particular things. So it's not as if, oh man, having a baby is part of my curse and the pain of it, God has cursed me. It's more so about the brokenness that follows. You would have been raising a child that would have followed the Lord because that's how the world would have gone. But now you are bonded and connected to, to, to someone who is born into a broken circumstance, broken situation. So I just want to throw that out there. Another thing that men have to realize is that they're not the center of the, the universe. The world doesn't revolve around them. If they don't understand this, they're not a wise choice right now. Because a lot of times, as boys, we're trying to figure out how to be the king of the hill. And we don't realize as soon as you're the king of the hill, someone else is coming to knock you off. You can't live to be the center of the universe. The world does not revolve around you. You're not the main character. When a boy understands that he is 
an extra in God's movie and he just needs to play his part, he is becoming a man. When a man thinks he's the center of the universe, he's a boy. He's a boy. He wants mommy to come breastfeed him. He wants mommy to make his plate. He is not understanding that the world does not revolve around him. Um, an another thing they, they got to understand is that life in and of itself is not about him. A man knows life's not about me, right? Jesus said, as he was talking to the disciples, he said, you know, when you're young, you'll do X. When you're older, you'll do this. And Jesus was 33, in his 30s when he's saying this. And the life expectancy of a man at that point in time was 40 years old. So he was saying, look, I'm already old, right? So by 30 years old, you should, you should not be egocentric. You should be selfless. You should be understanding that life's not about you. Jesus was a picturesque example of how life was not about him. He was on a mission. If a man doesn't have a mission you know, that's not centered on him, he's a boy. If his whole intent in life is himself, you are nothing but a trophy on his case. You are nothing but an accent. You are nothing but an accessory to his wardrobe. If he does not understand that life is not about him, he's got to understand he, he will take care of himself in order to be a better caretaker of others. But he's got to understand the world doesn't revolve around him and life is not about him. Other thing a boy has got to understand to be a man is that you don't have control. That, that's a hard part. That's one of the most difficult hurdles. Like I, I struggled to get over the fact that I didn't have control because we want control. That's a, that's a huge part of us. We want to control the narrative. We want to control how things go. We want to we manifest destiny. We want to be brave heart and we want to get our sword and we want to take control of the situation. I got this. Let me handle this. Why, excuse me. Let me handle this. Authority, the idea of authority is based off of the reality that you have submitted yourself to understand enough information to understand how something works so that you can be an authority. You have to be submissive to be an authority, right? If I'm an authority on law, for some point in my time, I must have been submissive to law school professors. So a man has to understand he's not in control. He's actually submissive to the one who is in control and he's functioning out of that reality. I do not have control. God does. I'm functioning out of that reality. I'm a steward. I'm a manager of what God has put in front of me. I do not have ultimate control. Now it's my job as a responsible steward to, you know, use and exercise wisdom as I navigate the world. But when life doesn't go your way, you and you think you're in control, you fold. You wonder why Wall Wall State, excuse me, Wall Street execs are jumping out of windows when their stock plummets or when they go bankrupt because they thought they had control. They thought that oh, well, I do this, I invest here, da da da, and everything's gonna work out fine. But the people who are most content, are, are most happiest, are content people. And they're content because they know God's in control. Their needs are going to be provided for. Their needs are going to be met. They work hard. They steward what they have in order to make sure that it works. But at the end of the day, they're not in control, right? I, I, I've done a lot. I don't, I've saved, I've planned, but man proposes, God disposes. And that's part of leadership. And then the last thing that a man's got to realize, and there's a whole, there's another list I'm going to give y'all down the line, but these are just, these are the big, the big macro ideas that a, that a guy's got to understand is he's going to die. 
Like he's got to realize that, that he's not going to live forever. You're pursuing all these goals and, and all these things and you're putting your family on the train tracks. Like early on in my career, my family was on the train tracks of my success. They were tied to the tracks of the Lecrae train. I've got to go here. I've got to do this. I've got to win that. I've got to do this. And what I didn't realize is that the world can get another rapper. My family can't get another husband and father. I mean, technically they can get another husband and father, but you know what I mean. And so I had to realize I'm going to die. And legacy is not what you leave to people. That's inheritance. Legacy is what you leave in people. And I had to realize I'm going to die. What legacy have I left? What have I invested in my wife, in my kids? What, how you spend your days is how you spend your life. So how am I spending my days? Because I'm going to look back and say, oh, this is how I spent my life. I spent my life traveling, doing all kinds of things about, that were centered around me and not around my family, not around the woman that I love, right? It was me, 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 me. And when you realize you're going to die, I've never, I've never seen a single person. And I've had, I got a good friend who went to a, a hospice center and he just, he said, man, if there's anybody who I can, people who be, allow me to interview them, I'd love to. He walks around, talks to people and he says, what are your regrets? What are your desires? Not one of them said, I wish I made more money. Not one of them said, I wish I'd been more successful. Every one of them said, I wish I spent more time with the people I love. I wish I had been a better person. That's what it comes down to. You're going to die. Did you spend quality time with the people you love? And were you focused on becoming the type of person that you were created to be? Ladies, if this man does not realize that life is difficult, life's not about him, the world doesn't revolve around him, he's not here for himself, and he's going to die, he's selfish, he's self-centered, he is not going to be someone who's going to care for you because he's too focused on himself. Matter of fact, he probably only wants to be with you because he expects you to be a picture of who he is, right? To care more for him, to accentuate who he is. You, you are a part of his story. He's not looking to be a part of yours. And that's, I, I can tell you this from experience. I lived my life for a period of time like everyone else was a robot and I was the only real human being. Everyone else is AI. They don't have emotions. They don't have thought. They don't have complexity. They're not, they're just here for me. Everyone's here in my story. I'm not a part of theirs and I'm not trying to make theirs better. So that's one of the things I want to say to you all. He's got to understand what it means to be a man. And at the end of the day, a man knows a man who wants to be in a relationship understands three things, right? He understands that he's got a will to obey, he's got a work to do, and he's got a woman to protect. He's got a will to obey. If you don't know your master, you don't know your mission, right? If you, if you do not, if he's not a follower of God, now I'm not talking about a believer. Everyone believes. The demons believe. I'm talking about a follower. If he's not following God, you're dragging him. You're, you're pulling him along. He can't lead you because he's not following. So how are, you, how are you following someone who's not being led? It doesn't work. 
So he's got to have a will to obey. Jesus said, my food is the will of my father. His will was the father's, was obedience to the father. So if this man doesn't understand that he is here to be an apprentice of Jesus, to follow Jesus, to become more like him, if he doesn't understand that by the end of his life, he should look more like Jesus than he did today, then he's not a follower. He's someone who says, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in God. Well, how can he lead you anywhere? So he's got to have a will to obey, a work to do. Like I said, you don't know your master. You don't know your mission. If you don't know your mission, well, you're going to make one up. Every man is making up a mission. I, we're wired that way. Ladies, we are wired to be on mission. And if we don't have an understanding of what God's mission for us is, we're going to make our own up. And that mission is generally going to be power, pleasure, or possessions. It's going to be one of the three. Power, we're going to want to be the most powerful executive, big dog, NBA player, whatever you, you name it. We want power. Pleasure, our mission is going to be hedonism. We just want pleasure. That's big boy attitude. Like boyish behavior is pleasure. Just hedonistic. Like I want to go on a trip. I want to get drunk. I just want to be a frat boy for the rest of my life. I'm just pleasure seeking. Right. He's not even sturdy and, and responsible enough to care for you because he's on a pleasure hunt. And, and unfortunately, sometimes that's how you met him. You met him on the pleasure hunt. You met him on the party cruise. You met him at the Bahama vacation. He wasn't a good choice then and he's not a good choice now because he was there chasing hedonistic pleasure. There are some people that only want the euphoria of being in a relationship. They don't want the hard part, right? There's the, the level of enchantment, then there's disenchantment, then there's contentment. A lot of guys just want enchantment. A lot of people in general, women want that too. Just the enchantment phase. They just want the feeling of falling for somebody. All that is is dopamine. <laughs> All that is is chemicals in your brain that make you feel like, oh my gosh. And I firmly believe God has wired us that way so that we would procreate, right? So you just... Head over heels for somebody for six months. And I think because God was like, yeah, I want you to just be so head over heels. You, you just want to have babies with this person. You know what I'm saying? Just, I just want to do this thing. That goes away. And people get divorced all the time because they're, they don't have that feeling anymore. That's not a part of a sustainable relationship. Love does not sustain a marriage. Marriage sustains love. It's quite the opposite. Right? The lovey-dovey stuff is not what sustains the relationship. It's the relationship that sustains the lovey-dovey stuff. And, and real love is not a feeling anyway. Real love is sacrifice. Real love is, is standing firm. It's consistency. It's faithfulness. So all that to say, a man's got to have a mission. He's going to chase power, pleasure, possessions, or possessions. He's going to be a money chaser. And for some women, a lot of times women struggle with security. They want to feel secure. They want to feel protected. And so they will find themselves just with somebody who's a good provider, who's good at chasing possessions. Because if they can't have his heart, at least they have his wallet. At least they have the security of knowing that their, their bills are paid, the home is taken care of. And so I think that's why we've seen this kind of, this rebellion from a lot of women in terms of saying, hey, I can do my own stuff. I can pay my own bills. And in some ways, I understand because what they're trying to say is, hey, I want more than just your wallet. I want your heart. I think the perverted side of it makes it come down to, 
I don't want any aspect of you. I don't need you. I'm fine. Well, if you are not looking for a relationship, just say you're not looking for a relationship. There's no need to bash the opposite sex because they're boys and they're not stepping up to be men. Just say you don't want to be in a relationship. But if you know in, the, in your heart of hearts you want to be in a relationship, then just be honest with yourself and say, I want more than your wallet. I want your heart. I want your commitment. I want your dedication. I want you to lead in humility, lead in love. I want all of those things. Say that. Say that. And then, you know, a will to obey, a work to do, and a woman to love. If Jesus is the prime example of what a man is, which I believe that he is, and we can dive into that, he loved his wife to the point where he died for her. And his wife was the church. That's his bride. And so a man has to see his wife as someone he'd lay his life down for. He's got to see his wife as someone he'd be willing to be sacrificial for. You don't see, Jesus was a leader, but you never see him as a tyrant, right? He was a leader and a protector, right? When it came to protecting the woman who was caught in adultery, right? He got rid of those condemners and he didn't just say, you know, you get a free pass. He, he looked at her and said, hey, sin no more. I mean, there's still a, like, I care about you. I care about the best of, for you. And I want you to sin no more. But he, he was a leader. You know, he called people up to be better than what society thought of them. A good husband is, understands that God has a better plan for his wife than he does. So he is looking to the Lord for to help her become all that she was made to be. My wife, we went through a season where my career started to take off and she was working, but it was like, hey, this is not a job you want to do. It's a job you had to do. So why don't we let you quit this job? Not because, you know, we're patriarchal and you can't work, but because you don't even want to do this job. And let's figure out what you do want to do. And so that was me kind of saying, hey, I want to I want to support you. I'm, I'm here to help your dreams flourish. I'm here to in, a, in the same way Jesus was with Peter and with Mary and, and Martha. I want you to be more than a fisherman. I want you to be more than a prostitute. Like you're more than that. Not saying my wife was a prostitute, but just saying I'm here to enrich your life. And so I said, hey, hey, babe, what are you interested in? You like photography? Let's pay for some photography classes so you can learn more about that. Whatever you desire to get involved in, let's do that. And she just went on a journey of volunteering because she was like, I just want to serve. And she knew she wanted to serve. And so she found, she landed her plane where she felt like this is where I feel comfortable where I want to be. That's a woman to love. That's what Jesus would do. And that's what a man should be doing for you. So I say all that to say, ladies, if he's not helping to plant you somewhere where you can flourish and blossom and you find yourself doing all of that, I would say you're wearing the wrong hat. I would say you are mothering him and not supporting him. There's a difference between supporting a man. Like I am here to support you, to help you, to encourage you and mothering him. We're enabling him. He can't be the man he was called to be because he doesn't have to be because you're taking care of all of that, right? 
It doesn't mean he should be resentful towards you because, you know, but he shouldn't be using you. I always tell the story of, you know, me as a, um, as a young man, I thought I was God's gift. I was a part of a fraternity. I never had a problem with women. I'm 6'4". I was charismatic. I thought I was a gift to women, just being honest. And so I really looked at them as objects of my desire, objects that fit into my world. And so as a young man, I really was an objectifier, you know, and it didn't even have to be sexually. It could just be, I just want you to affirm me because I like feel that feeling of affirmation. Only reason why I want you around is to center me, you know, classic narcissistic vibes. When I had an encounter with the Lord, I began to learn the world doesn't center around me, you know, because I had to readjust my priorities to see him as the center of my joy. I was like a cat. You know, if you ever have a pet cat, and cats are cool. I'm not a cat guy personally, but but typically cats do their own thing. When it comes to the owner, they're not like super loyal. They just like, hey, wh where's my food? Meow. You got my food? I'll, thank you. Kitty litter. You got it? Meow. Thank you. I'm going on about my business now. Um, see you when I see you. I might come around and be stroked and purr, but I'm really here for me, and you are here to serve me versus a dog. Right? I became a dog once I met the Lord. A dog is happy to see the owner come home. Like, oh my gosh, you're here? You're here? You want your paper? You know, whatever you want, I want. You, you throw a ball, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna bring it back to you. I just wanna play with you. I just wanna be around you. Um, if you train me well, I'll get your slippers. I, I, you know, I, I'm just here to serve. I'm so happy to see you. That's how my, my, my personality shifted. And when I shifted that way, I realized, oh my goodness, I was treating women like cats. You know, like I was like I was a cat. You know, just hey, stroke my ego, feed me, take care. It's about me. And in marriage, you know, I had to learn, like, no, this is not about me. This is a journey that we're on. This is our story, not my story. I'm not the center of this thing. Um, so those are just some quick asides. All right. So let's say you're already in this relationship with someone who may not have been the wisest choice or they haven't grown into their man's skin. Um, what, what do you do? How do you navigate this? Well, I'm gonna tell you what you don't do. First of all, what you don't do is sit around in bitterness and complaining about what they're not because that's going to affect you. And that's going to hinder you from being who God has called you to be. One of the best things for you to do is to understand that not only is he not in control, neither are you. God is in control. So are you going to God first and foremost? Go to God. You know, Give them what you got. If you don't know what to pray, just give them what you got. I'm sad, I'm mad, I'm whatever. Give them what you got and be praying for this man. Be praying that God would do a work in his heart. It's really hard to be frustrated at somebody when you're actively praying for them. The other thing I would say is a lot of times you can 
discourage someone from becoming who they need to be by constantly pointing at the insufficiencies, at the areas where they need to grow. What I would submit to you is encourage them toward, stop discouraging them from. Case in point, if my wife feels like, you know, I could, I could stand to lose a couple pounds, the wrong thing for her to do is be like, you getting a little chubby. You need to chill out on the pizza, right? Now, some of us relationships, we maybe would handle that. After 18 years, I could actually handle that. It wouldn't be a thing. But, you know, it takes some years of maturity. What would be a better option for her to do is the one time I go to the gym, for her to come back and say, okay, Jim, I see you working out. I see you trying to get fine. Acknowledge, encourage me toward the things that I am doing right. When you see me making a step in the right direction, give me affirmation, give me encouragement, give him some encouragement when he's about the things that he's doing right. What that signif signals to him is that I should continue doing these things because I'm supported in this area. Okay, made it to church today. Hey, sweetheart, you think we can go to church together tomorrow? You know? Yeah, okay, cool. Okay, you look good. All right, man, we need to go to church more often. I like seeing you like this. Hey, listen, that's some of the things you can do to encourage him toward being the man that he needs to be, right? When you see certain characteristics, man, I saw you talking to so-and-so, like, I like y'all together. I like him and y'all. I think y'all, like y'all have so much y'all can vibe off of each other with. It's not manipulation. It's encouragement toward the things that he's doing right, toward the areas where he is growing instead of constantly discouraging him from. And, and then lastly, one of the most beautiful things a spouse can say, whether it's a man or woman, because this, 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 we're not all homogenous. All the advice that I'm giving for women, a man could easily use, right? We're not homogenous. So, so what I would say is this. Another thing is to sweep your side of the street. Right? You, you can't always worry about where they are getting stuff dirty. Where are you getting clean? Where are you getting healthier? The more godlier you are, the more you're focused on your relationship with the Lord, the more you're, you're healthy, the more you're able to endure and to be that godly influence in that light. If all you're doing is spending your time watching your favorite shows, scrolling through social media, you know, you, you're not becoming a new person. You're the same person you always were and you're going to be disappointed with the things you're all, you've been getting. Become someone new so you can endure the things that you're having to deal with and you can encourage in ways you haven't been able to do. They're watching you. They're saying, oh, shoot, I see that. You know, my wife and I do the tit for tat all the time. Like, I'll be growing in a particular area. I'll be serious. She'll catch me reading my Bible. She's like, you know what? I need to get on that. I need to get in my word. I'll see her going to her studies and doing certain things. And I'm like, you know what, man? I, I like the way you handled this. I like the way you dealt with that. I need to get, I need to be on that page. We mutually encourage each other in that way. And then finally, finally, what I would say is this, man, be patient. We're in a microwave society. One of the dopest things you could ever resolve in yourself and with your significant other is that, hey, I'm in this for the long haul. We said for better or worse, in sickness and health, till death do us part. And so, man, it may not happen in a year or five or 10. You're going to need supernatural patience, but that's going to take you pursuing the Lord, becoming who God has called you to be, praying for this person, encouraging this person, and working through that. 
so that you can be all you've been called to be. I know some people whose marriage has sucked for two decades. And then decade 21, what the heck just happened? What just flipped? Man, God blesses, God restores the years the locusts have eaten. He transforms things. If you were in a marriage and it didn't work out, and you're like, no, that person is not every person, right? You can't base that relationship. You can't base every other person off of that one relationship that you had. This process is still effective. You gotta work through all these particular things. So man, continue to be patient, continue to be kind, continue to sweep your side of the street, continue to pray for that person. Because God's plan for them is way better than our plan for them, way better. My encouragement to you is to trust the Father. He's got good plans for you. I'm always encouraged when I look at Jeremiah 29, 11. Everybody uses this verse. I know the plans I have for you, plans for a future and a hope. Everybody knows that verse, but few people realize he said that to a people who were dealing with pain. They were facing 70 years of exile, 70 years. What do you tell people when they're gonna face 70 years of pain? You say, hey, I know the plans I have for you, plans for a future and a hope. I know what you're facing, but I know the plans I have for you. God's promise always comes when we're dealing with pain. Hang in there, wrestle well. God will never leave you nor forsake you.